Welcome to Innovations in Leadership, a Success League radio production. This is a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are designing and implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by the Success League, a consulting and training firm focused on developing customer success programs that drive revenue. My name is Kristen Hayer, and I'm the host of Innovations in Leadership and the founder and CEO of the Success League. And Mike Bagley, the VP of Customer Experience at Igloo, is joining me again today. We were talking a few weeks ago about how he's been preparing for a somewhat limited budget in 2023 and the things that he's doing to help keep his organization lean. And I thought that that was an important topic for all of us. So that's what we're going to be talking about in this episode. Mike, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me again. It's great to be here. Hey, I know you were on the show earlier this year, but just as a recap, can you tell the audience a little about your role at Igloo and what the company does? Yeah, absolutely. As you mentioned already, I'm the VP of Customer Experience, and that really means that I oversee all of the post-sales customer-facing teams. So, you know, customer success, services, support, training, all the stuff that you normally expect to happen in the customer journey after the sale of software. And Igloo is in the digital workplace business. We help customers stand up digital workplaces or more commonly called intranets to really help them collaborate, communicate, and continue to sort of instill culture in their business, even when people are remote or or sort of scattered across the world instead of being in an office together. Yeah, you've got some built-in tools on your end with your solution that can help you. And I know we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to title this episode, Getting Scrappy During an Economic Downturn. So thinking about that, what does getting scrappy mean to you? I mean, for me, I think it means a few things. One is that I think, you know, as you grow as a business, sometimes it's easy to sort of fall into some of the staple processes or procedures or tools that are sort of out there. So, you know, as you grow in CS, you might want to get a CRM or you might want to have like really detailed and written out SOPs for things. And I think that's fine. But I think we often forget is that as we grow and as, you know, new opportunities are presented to us or we have new chances at things, we sometimes need to get creative or have a bit of a startup mentality to how we approach things. Not everything can be fully written out, fully prepared everyone fully trained on and ready to go in order to be successful. Sometimes you just have to sort of think a little bit outside of the box or sort of do things that sort of stretch and expand people beyond their current role in order to get things accomplished. And to me, that's really what Scrappy means is having a bit more of a startup mentality, thinking about the tools you already have in front of you and how you can use them better or how you can use them in a way to accomplish something that they didn't accomplish before. Yeah. And and that leads me to my first question, really. You mentioned the other day that you're building your own database for health scores, and that sounds like a ton of work. Can you talk about how your team approached that project? Yeah, absolutely. I think we were very lucky, or at least I was very lucky coming into this business <laughs> that there's a lot of data already. I think that's one of the biggest challenges is, is that a lot of companies either don't have a lot of data or they don't really ever do an assessment of how much data they really have out there, how many different data points and attributes you could possibly have to sort of understand what good looks like or what bad looks like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to flip it on its head, for your customer base and your customer journey. So we were really lucky that we had a team of folks that are actually part of our support team that have a background in 
like business analysis and data analysis. And we're Ooh, really good lucky. with reporting. <laughs> yeah, very lucky. <laughs> so they were able to sort of really quickly do an inventory of all of the different sort of data streams that we have as a company, you know, data from Salesforce, data from the actual systems that the customers themselves are using, data from surveys, you know, data that we were collecting across just various systems that we had. And at this point, because we don't have sort of a customer success tool or a customer success CRM solution, we had to figure out a way to consolidate that data, put it all in one spot so we could compare it against themselves. We could look at one customer and and we could take a look at sort of different attributes of that customer, you know, not only together, but also sort of snapshotting them over time. These guys were amazing and they created this database to capture and collect and snapshot all of that data. And I think we started with a lot. Gosh, there was probably like 40 or 50 <laughs> data points to begin with. Kristen, I know you saw that. And I, I did see that. It was too many. <laughs> but, yes. So, but that's how you learn. And then Exactly. You, yeah, yeah. 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 And so ne- then it's about figuring out wh- what of this data is relevant and what isn't. There's a lot of different ways you can slice something like support tickets. You know, what was the CSAT on support tickets? Mm-hmm. How often are they putting support tickets in? What's the severity of the support tickets? Are they sort of just questions or are they actually like serious things in the system that they need help with? Are they not putting any support tickets at all? So it's figuring out, okay, you know, for some companies where the product is really easy, not having any support tickets might be a really good thing. For another company where your product's a little more complex, it might actually be a really, really bad thing if the customer's never putting in any support tickets because it probably means they're not using the product at all. So, Mm -hmm. you know, to your point, it's like there was a lot of data points, but we weren't sure which ones were useful yet and which ones weren't. So the first exercise was just getting the CS team to just be looking at that data on a regular basis and figuring out, is this useful? Is this Mm -hmm. directionally right? Of the customers that were churned, were the things that we thought were bad and things that would have led to a churn actually bad or were they actually good? So, you know, what of this data is actually important? What of this data actually isn't for our specific customers for where we're at as a business? And it's really, it's just such an important thing for the CS team to just be able to look at for their portfolio on a regular basis and understand where should I be putting my time and attention and focus for this week or this month or this quarter? Tell me about the report that you put together for your exec team and board, because that I think is another piece of this that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things that I've seen a lot and definitely in my experience in CS, and I've done this tons in the past too, is you tend to turn this health score into a number, usually out of 100 or maybe out of 10. And, you know, maybe eight, nine and 10 is good. Six and seven is okay. And then below that is bad. The challenge is, Feeding that up to a board or feeding that up to a CEO or even just the executive level, if you just sent them, hey, here's all our customers and here's what their health score is, that's not that meaningful to them, right? It's like, well, why is it good? Why is it bad? It's like an unfolding Excel file. You don't want them to have to like click open the score and then there's like 10 scores under that and then you have to click on each of those to sort yeah, of, it's you know, too like much. They, they don't yeah. want to do a whole lot of investigation to figure it, it out. So what we did is thought about what's the simplest way that we can express this score. So we made a really simple sort of two by two matrix that sort of gives you the idea that customers that are in the top right are in a pretty good place and customers that are down at the bottom left aren't doing so hot. So it's just a really quick visual way where they can take a scan across maybe our most important customers or our top 50 customers and sort of see where they stand. And again, it may depend on your, your CEO or your board. They're not always that interested in the specific details. I think part of it is one, they want to understand that 
you have a handle on it and that you're looking at it Two, that you've done it in a way that makes sense and that they can wrap their head around. It isn't some crazy weird math or, or this weird logic that you've got to put it together. And it's just helpful for them to sort of see over time how that's changing and ebbing and flowing. And then it also helps you back up. If you say, Hey, we're going to have a really great year in retention, let's say, it's easy for them to correlate those things together where it's like, okay, yeah, it looks like 90% of the important customers are in the green and you're saying you're going to have good retention. That makes sense. But if I was going to them and saying, we're going to have an awesome year and then they see, you know, 75% of our customers are in the red or the yellow, they're going to be like, hey, Bagley, what you're saying, you know, these things don't really go together. So can you explain why that is? So it's just sort of helpful to give more evidence, more objective reasoning behind the things that you're saying and the forecasts that you're making to these people. They want to believe you, but it helps when you can show them more things to help them you know, have more and more faith in what you're saying. Yeah. And I think that keeping it simple is really important too, because if it's simple, like what you're describing or, you know, some other sort of chart that you can see over time, it also helps you talk about the initiatives that you've put in place as a CX leader and talk about the impact that that's having on health and it's really powerful when you can show that to a board in that simple way, I think. I totally agree. And I think actually a lot of times CS teams don't take enough credit for the work that they're doing and the impact that it has. We look so much at lagging indicators for CS around retention, but there's simple things that we should be taking more credit for. Like for instance, hey, you know what? This year we've improved how many key contacts we have with our customers, or we've increased the amount of EBRs that we're having, or you know, we completed X number of actions that were outputs from EBRs for our customers. I think there's more things that we can be taking credit for, or even if it's not about taking credit, more things that can show us, are we acting? Are we doing the things that we say that we're gonna do? And are they leading to a good result or a bad result? So that's really something that we've been thinking a lot about at Igloo this year. So I know another thing that you've done is create a place to store customer data. And you're using a really inexpensive solution for that called Notion. How have you set that up to work in place of a more expensive CRM or CS platform? I take very little credit for this because really (laughs) it was my director of CS, Yana Peterson, who it was her brainchild. And it was a really great idea. You know, I think we found that the team was really, when it came to sort of how they were collecting information documenting what they were doing with customers, it was so varied. Some people were putting it in OneNote. Some people were putting it on a file on their desktop. Some people were putting that information back in Salesforce. And we just thought, gosh, I think there's an opportunity here. Again, because we don't currently have a customer success solution where you'd probably store a lot of that data, there's probably an opportunity to standardize and simplify and sort of create one location for all of this information to go. Yana and uh, one of the other customer success solution architects, who's sort of almost sort of a services person on the team, uh, were using this tool called Notion, which is actually at its core, just sort of a note-taking, almost sort of like a personal organization tool. But it's really, really powerful. It's almost a series of databases that you can sort of set up and connect together. So it allowed us to create a lot of templates for people to fill out. Hey, after an EBR, here's the information we'd like you to fill out. Who was there? What did you talk about? We do something in our EBRs we like to call peaks and pits, which is, you know, what are the things that have gone really well this year? And what are the opportunities that we have to sort of improve? And then what are the actions that we're going to take as a result? So just having that for every customer 
in one spot where I can easily see, okay, who attended? So, you know, are we actually hitting the mark on how many contacts and how many people are attending these things? Are we getting disparate departments? Are we getting people at different levels in the organization? What are the things that they said are going well? What are the things that they said aren't going so well? And then what are we doing against them? Who's got the ball for completing those? When do they do? And sort of what was the overall vibe of that meeting? It's such useful information for me to be able to look, oh gosh, across our top 25 or our top 50 customers to be able to look at that and, and have that a click away and have everybody capturing that data in a similar fashion so it's consistent is so useful because, I mean, I think that is a big part of what this customer success tool does in the first place is keeping your team organized, making sure that they're doing the things that they're supposed to be doing. And then you as a leader being able to look and see if that's actually happening or not. It's pretty new for us. We've just been doing it for the last few months, but so far, so good. It's been really, really useful for me and a really organized way for me to look at that information. And I think I'm sure not everyone on the team loves it because, you know, everyone loves keeping notes or taking those notes in, in different ways. But I, I think it also makes it easier for the team and that it, the expectations are really clear on what we want. And I think sometimes although people might walk begrudgingly into those expectations, ultimately it makes it easier for everyone because it's just really clear what we want and what's expected of them. So it's very easy for them to, as long as they're doing it, align to our expectations. Well, and I think you brought up a really good point. And some of this sounds so basic. So if you're listening to this and you're like, well, obviously, but I'm going to challenge people who are listening and say, no, not obviously. Not obviously. Too many teams that we work with don't even do those basics and don't have a way of tracking, you know, what's happening in their EBRs. Don't have a way of, you know, thinking about that in an organized fashion. And you are missing a lot of really good, really important basic data if you aren't tracking that consistently. So, you know, yes, it sounds basic, but you still have to do it. <laughs> so yeah. I'm glad you found an easy way of doing it. Yeah. I think the other thing too is like the data that comes out of conversations like that with a customer, especially if you're getting, you know, your executive sponsor there and, and sort of varying groups across the business, that information, what's important to them, what their strategy, what their vision is for the next year, that's not only helpful information to CS, that is like gold to the rest of your business. Like, what should we be focusing on next year? How should we be thinking about our product and our vision as a business? How should we be thinking about marketing and prospecting for next year? All of that is so important. And to hear that directly from your customers and be able to capture that information, share that across the organization, I think is, is so critical. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned to me that your plan is to keep your headcount flat in CS for 2023. What are some of the ways that you're coping with kind of a limited staff and making it work? Yeah, I think actually this is something I'm hearing from a lot of my colleagues sort yeah. of across <laughs> across customer success that, you know, like staying flat or or sort of modest growth for 2023 is the plan. There's just so much uncertainty right now of, of what may happen, hopefully not much. And and we all continue to grow and, and strive as we have been. But I think, you know, just continuing to figure out how to do more with less and how to continue to scale the team and deliver more value for your customer in a really creative way. And again, I give full credit to, to my director of CS, Yana, for finding this out. But 
One of the things we're looking at doing, especially for some of those, I would call our sort of lower tier customers, and I don't mean that in a, in, in a, in a, to slander them. They're just, you know, they spend less with us. They're smaller organizations. So they just don't have as much dedicated CS time as some of our bigger customers. We wanted to figure out a way to have a really great EBR experience or QBR experience with them without having to be flying around for customers that are paying us five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars a year. So we found this tool called Cast App. And I know it's something that you're familiar with. I love, love Cast App. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it actually, we didn't know this, but they do actually offer sort of a free trial if you know you want to try it out with your CS team and see how it works. And the way that we're using it is to do digital EBRs to sort of take all of the great nuggets, the great information that we would talk about live either in person or on Zoom and sort of do it more digitally with those customers where we can take data that we have about how they're using the system, where they're sort of having success or areas of opportunity and what some of those outcomes might be now and what some of those outcomes could be were they to make more use of other features or sort of other use cases in the system and just share that with the customer and sort of send that to them through this tool and allow them to interact with it and then sort of get their feedback after they've interacted with it so that we can figure out should we take more proactivity with this customer? Is everything okay? What are the things that we should be doing with other customers that look or feel or this shape this year? So it's just a way for us to interact and provide value to the customer outside of our actual tool, outside of their actual digital workplace or intranet, and do that in a way that scales so that we don't have to be, again, flying around all over the place every single day to be having these sorts of conversations with customers that fit into these categories. Yeah. And I think, too, the, the interesting thing that I, I see companies doing with digital tools like cast.app are you know trying them out for their smaller customers, but then often they work so well they're rolling them up to larger customers. If you think about you know what do our customers really want, they don't always want us to show up every single time in their Gosh, office, no. <laughs> and you know if there's even an office left to show up that's into, right. and you know sometimes they do want things delivered digitally, and that's an actually a better experience for them. So I think it'll be interesting for you guys as you kind of roll this out across your smaller clients to think about you know is this something you could roll up into your larger clients too? I agree. I think to your point, like. You know, if you were doing QBRs, let's say, with all your tier one customers, there might be an opportunity to say, hey, let's meet in person once a year, but then the rest of the time, let us feed or send some of this information to you in this way. And then if, you know, you or, or we decide mutually that, you know, it's worth connecting to talk about this, then let's do that. I mean, let's be honest with our tier one and tier, you know, those bigger customers, we're probably talking to them on a weekly basis already anyway. It's just thinking about how we continue to provide value uh, across uh, all of the different members of that organization. I think that's another area of account management that's so important is there's just so many people in the business that you should be wanting to provide value to and talk to on a regular basis. And I think something like this tool allows you to do that. Even if you had 20 contacts at a customer, getting them all to be able to show up on that day at that time for that meeting, it's just not going to happen. So how do you keep in contact and continue to provide value across all of those individuals? I think, yeah, you're exactly right. This could be a great tool, even for those bigger customers. Yeah. 
Well, I know also I wanted to talk about how you've included your team on brainstorming. I mean, I, you're so kind. You're one of those bosses that gives credit where credit is due. And I love that about you. I know you've had your group brainstorming on ways to stay lean as a team. And how has that helped morale in your group? Yeah, I, I mean, I think you know we're all, it's such a funny thing to say and it sounds so obvious, but we're all adults and hopefully we all want the team to succeed and continue to do well. And we all want the best for each other. And we have really smart, really creative people that are talking to customers on a regular basis, far more than I am. And I talk to customers a lot, but they're talking way more than I am. And why wouldn't we use them as a source of truth and a sort of a source of creativity and a source of ideation? Number one, just selfishly, because they probably have a lot of great ideas and things that are complete blind spots or things that I'm not even thinking about. But I think it also just allowing people to be part of that thought process and to sort of like to, to sort of use in, uh, in uh, like uh, the old 80s books, like choose your own adventure yeah. <laughs> on, on sort of what the next year looks like and on sort of what work looks like for you. I think that is something that can really help morale and also just sort of bring the team together because it allows us to work on things that aren't always these massive five alarm red fires, <laughs> which they tend to be when we need to work on things as a team. It's being more proactive and taking more control over what every day looks like. So again, there's the selfish aspect that is like, hey, that's mine for some great ideas because they're probably there. But I think it's not even altruistic because it's also selfish because you get, <laughs> I think you get a boost in morale out of the team from it. But it's just, yeah, letting people set their destiny a little bit and have some control over or what they do and, and sort of what tomorrow might look like for them in a world where you often have to be so reactive and what your day looks like is not really set by you. It's set by what's going on with your customers. I think it's nice to be able to have some say in that. And I've seen the team over the course of the year really go from being a team that felt like they're sort of working as individuals on a portfolio, sort of running their own businesses to a team that's really working together helping each other out, providing coaching and feedback to each other, regardless of their tenure or skill level. And I think that's really healthy and a great thing to see. Yeah. So what advice overall would you give to a leader who's maybe facing either budget limitations or budget cuts going into 2023? There's a few things. One, I definitely, you know, as I said at the beginning, just taking a really good inventory about what you do have and the talent you have in your business. There might be people that aren't even part of your team that have really great insight or that have a real talent or real ha have a knack for organization or data capture, or there might be other teams that are even using a tool that you can piggyback onto to do some of the things that you need to do. So that's one area of focus. The other area I would sort of challenge people on is just looking at data because I think, you know, number one, if you're really looking at data and looking at things objectively, that's where it's easier to make business cases. That's where it's easier to prove where you might need something. And you may find areas that honestly, you know, we, we looked at our operating expenses, like there's things like, gosh, we don't even need that. We're not using that. Or that's not actually that important for this year. Let's shift some money or some resources from this area to this area, because that's more important to us this year. And sort of we can put that a little bit more on sort of the back pedal or the back foot. So I think you just really need to look at data and, and slice and dice it in every way you can to just try to figure out what's really, really important. What's the thing that we really need to drive up 
or the thing that we need to focus on this year. And I bet you'll find areas to cut and areas to grow. And you may even find some business cases or some things where you can go to the leadership or your CFO and say, hey, you know what? I know that things are a little lean this year, but if we just make this investment, the outcome from that is going to be 3x, 4x, 5x. And gosh, we ought to do it because it's so worth it. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I think that's good advice all the time, too. It is. Not just it, it so is. Yeah. Or a lean year. It's, it's yeah. good for all the years. <laughs> yeah. I, and, yeah. And I think it's the same thing with your personal finances, right? Sometimes it's like and things are tight. You got to really look at where you, know, you got to make every dollar count. Exactly to your point. That's something you should be thinking about and doing all the time, not just when you feel like you have to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Last question. This is the one we always ask. What do you see as the biggest trend right now in customer success and why? You know, I think actually it's really a double click on what I was just talking about. I'm really seeing, again, when I'm talking to my colleagues and and sort of looking out in the world is just more and more scrutiny put on customer success from a metric and objective standpoint. Again, I think retention has always been the sort of the be all end all a lot of times for, for success teams and how they're measured. And I think a lot of companies have been throwing a lot of money at customer success to say, gosh, we just got to improve retention. And a lot of companies have seen improvement and a retention just as a result of putting people in place to, to manage customers and, and manage renewals. This isn't just related to the downturn. I think more and more companies are starting to go, okay, we've made a lot of investment there. What actually is the outcome that we're getting for that? And how are these teams actually getting to that outcome? How is what they're doing directly affecting what that outcome is? So I think that's a trend that we're going to continue to see because CS has had such incredible growth over the last few years. It's amazing. And I'm so glad it has. And and it's such a great business to be in. But I just think now, just very similar to sales, how sales get sliced and diced in every single way possible. I think we're going to start to see more and more of that happen in CS. At least that's the trend I'm seeing. So again, just a rally cry for all of us as CS leaders to just really be on it when it comes to data and what we're doing and how what we're doing is contributing to the business. That's the trend that I'm seeing. Yeah, that may seem stressful to leaders, but it's actually really healthy because I think it points to the idea that we're being looked at as a serious part of an organization and not just a a little add-on that's kind of nice. Exactly. It means that we're being taken seriously as a field. It does. So, and like any serious field, there are going to be expectations put on us because of that. And so that's actually good. And it's just important, I think, for leaders to learn how to deal with that and what the leadership teams are looking for so that they can prove the value of their groups. That's right. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Well, Mike, thanks so much for joining me today and sharing your ideas on being scrappy and an economic downturn. Hopefully not too bad of a downturn, but (laughs) if someone wanted to reach out to you directly, what's the best way for them to get in touch? LinkedIn is always the best way. There's Luckily, there's very few Mike Bagley's with two G's on, on LinkedIn, so I should be easy to find. Feel free to reach out to me there. Awesome. Well, thanks again. And I also want to thank our producer, Russell Bourne, and our audio expert, Nico Rivers. This podcast is a production of Success League Radio. To learn more about the Success League's consulting and training offerings, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io. And for more great customer success content, you can follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. You can subscribe to Success League Radio on Apple, Google, Amazon, anywhere else you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time.